If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me better as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain or via my other heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. You can find that by just clicking my name in the podcast description of the device that you are listening to this on. It's a live link and it will take you straight to the homepage of the podcast where there's 130 episodes to go at. But... Right now, I am your host and your guide through all things Motorhead. So, what we've got coming up for you now is another cracking interview. Um, This one is with Danny Hines, singer from Weapon, who were the uh, support act on the Ace of Spades tour, and you will be hearing um, from him in just a minute. I just want to remind you that you can find the Motorcast on uh, social media, just hashtag the Motorcast, and we will get the messages. Um, All information on Motorhead and the Ace of Spades um, box set and re-release is all at imotorhead.com for all your news and you will see a little picture of the podcast there you can click on that that'll take you to whatever way you want to listen to it and please remember to subscribe so one of these lovely episodes drops into your device every fortnight so that's enough from me let's get on with the interview and my chat with Danny good morning Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Yourself? Um, I am very well. Very well, Danny. Um, uh, thank you for doing this. No problem. I would like to start um, with a a little bit of kind of you know where you are now. Where you know where we where we currently find you. <laughs> Sitting in Stockholm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not not doing not doing any gigs, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're yeah. all we're all in the same boat, unfortunately. I know it's a piss, it's a pisser, isn't well, it? Just? Yeah. Isn't it uh, just? What do you mean? Do you mean uh, how am I with the band? Is that what you mean? Uh, well, yeah, well, just uh, just an idea of you know, um, uh, you know what you're doing these days, how the band is, because um, obviously you know you uh, you did come back, um, yeah. and um, yeah. So how does uh, you know how do we find you currently? Are you are you working on material, or are you just frustrated at the lack of being able to get out and about? Uh, a bit of both, actually. Uh, a lot of frustration, obviously, because. Uh, Every gig we had lined up for, um, well, going from March, actually, we had a European tour. Um, everything's been postponed, rescheduled, and, you know, as the months go by, they keep getting pushed back even further, you know. We had uh, a winter storm for uh, this coming November, and that's been rescheduled now till next November. Right. So that's, that's a real, real pain in the ass. But there you go, it happens. As you say, everyone, everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. Um, re- regarding the band and the material that we've uh, we released their last album last September actually a year ago, um, Ghost of War, which uh, done fairly well uh, on Pure Steel Records, and we're writing at the moment. We'll we'll probably start recording um, the, towards the end of the year for a new album. Um, have have stuff ready for next year. Hopefully, that's the master plan. But, uh, you know, it's been an interesting 10 years since we came back, you know, ups and downs and different lineups. Um, but the mainstay of the band is myself and Jeff, the original guitarist. So, you know, and we were the main songwriters anyway, so still got that 
weapon sound that was a different rhythm section um, got a guy called Darren, Darren Lee on drums and Tony Forsyth on bass Tony well, used to play with uh, Tony used to play with uh, Rob Bale sorry ah right okay so that's um, there's, a, there's a blast from the past indeed <laughs> incestuous this business <laughs> uh, yeah yeah very much so very much so um well, look, I know. I, look, it, it's going back a long way, um, but obviously we're, uh, you know, we're here to talk, we're here to talk Motorhead. Um, but it's, o- sure. it's o- but it's only fair to let you get your own plugs in as well. No, um, that's fine. Um, but um, I, I mean, my my loose understanding, or you know, the, the history says that um, uh, Fast Eddie Clark saw, saw you guys doing a gig and thought you'd be um, uh, a great support band for the Ace Up Your Sleeve tour. Um, is that is you know is that how it happened? That's exactly how it happened. We were doing a gig at the. Uh, remember, Virgin Virgin Records had a, a venue called the Venue in Victoria. There was an old cinema. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were doing a gig there. My my uh, then girlfriend worked for Virgin, and uh, a, f- a friend of hers who also worked for Virgin was a uh, kind of loosely dating Edwards <laughs> at the time. And she brought him to the gig. And uh, when we came off stage, obviously, we went up and she introduced me to Eddie. And uh, he just, oh, you know, like, love what you're doing. I'll uh, see if I can get you on the the next tour. And uh, he spoke to uh, the management, of course, and, and to Lemmy and Phil. And uh, they asked us to set up another gig so they could come and see us, the management and, and the boys. So we set a gig up at uh, the Music Machine in Camden. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately on the day we had some internal arguments with the band as happened you know young boys and uh, a lot of drink and almost split the band on on that day but anyway we went on we'd done the gig and of course all the aggression we had for one another uh, it turned into quite a a rowdy gig and uh, when we came off stage uh, let me just said you know anybody any band that has that contempt for their audience has to tour with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they, they signed us off for the tour. <laughs> Which is great. So it all worked in our favour. <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, I, as, you, as you already said, you know, the, the, the incestuous nature of the music business and there's a few relationships yeah. with people at Virgin there. And, but I was just thinking as you were telling that story that the amount of times that being in a band, you you know, you hear you hear somebody say, "Oh, you know, oh yeah, you guys are really good. You should come on tour with us." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and, and that never happens, does it? No, 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 no. That was the one and only time I have to say. Yeah. But they were thankfully they were true to their words. Yeah, you get that bullshit all the time, you know. You do, sure, but it, but that, again, right. I think it just points to the sort of you know what a, what a, how Motorhead differed. You know, even back then, it was just a case Coffee. of right. Let's do this. Yeah. But the funny thing was, I I was very apprehensive about it because, you know, Motorhead had this image of being, you know, rough and ready bunch of guys. I, I kind of briefly knew Lemmy. Um, I used to see him around, you know, he was saying hello and all that stuff, but I never really got to know him very well. So I was very apprehensive about doing that. But um, I, I was wrong, you know. They were just a great bunch of guys. Really, what really were? Yeah, did, I mean, did you get to hang out much when you were um, when you were on the road? Um, we sometimes we stay in the same hotels, not a lot because we couldn't afford it. <laughs> but uh, 
Occasionally we'd stay in the same hotels with them and of course we'd, we'd party till the, the, the early hours of the morning with them. Um, and I remember a couple of occasions um, where things went a little bit awry. We had uh, our drummer at the time, Bruce Bisland, you know, plays with a sweet young Scotsman. And uh, he used to drink and couldn't really handle his drink. And uh, we were in one of the hotels and both bands and the crews and all that, having a great time. And Brucey got a little bit uh, pissed, I say. And he started going around the tables, nicking people's drinks. <laughs> and uh, was told off several times, you know, they kept it up, he got a smack. Uh, in particular, I think it was um, uh, Steve Flood. Flood. I think he was the angry one. And anyway, was, Brucey got a little bit silly and we had to remove him from the room and took him up to the uh, to his bedroom and stuck him in a cold bath <laughs> to, to sober him up. But unfortunately, he still got aggressive and got really annoyed. And our roadie at the time opened one of the, the doors, I think on the third or fourth floor, and pushed him out onto the um, fire escape. And unfortunately, he fell down a few steps. It could have ended really nastily. Mm. But uh, but he, but he got he got the, he got the uh, the gist, and uh, it never happened again. So that, that was one of the few occasions we we uh, had a whole night with the the guys at the hotel. Yeah, you've got you've you've got to keep people in line, and um, Ooh, yeah. that, that's that's certainly one that's certainly a unique way of doing it. <laughs> one way, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so how long how long were you on the road? Because you did the whole UK tour, didn't you? We done thirty two dates. Yeah, it was, it was in six week period. Yeah, it was a uh, it was incredible. It was I mean you know to go from what we had you know we'd only done a few gigs and got Ferge and the publishing interested in signed with them, and then suddenly we're on well at the time it was one of the biggest tours you know not a lot of bands do big tours now, but at that time you know forty two uh, yeah forty two days. And we've done 32 dates. Well, I mean, we, we say they say there's big tours these days. I tell you what, there's there's no one doing 32 32 date UK tours anymore. Well, and and also, you know, a lot of them are night after night. You'd have like a, a day off, maybe every four or five days if you were lucky. But you know, we were all young then, even Motorhead. <laughs> 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 we we could do those days, and it wouldn't bother us. You know, but it was an incredible tour. It really was. Yeah, and so, I mean, I did. You know, how was your um, how was your sort of greeting from from the mo the Motorhead fan base? You know, because uh, I well, mean, you know, were they were they you know were you welcomed with open arms? Was it was it a bit of a battle, or you know, how did it plan out? Well, that was the other thing that I was concerned about. You know, how would would we go down with them? You know, because um, they're real diehard fans. But I would say, probably two dates out of thirty two, we got a bit of a hard time, which. Which I handled, but uh, generally, yeah, we got a great reception from them. Really, really nice, nice people. And of course, we were, you know, say we were all young then, and we were playing a little their stuff a little bit faster because we were very excited. So we almost sounded like Motorhead. Some <laughs> of the songs I actually just listened. We came across some um, a live tape which we uh, we didn't even know existed because we have nothing from that era. And there's about eight tracks on it at uh, recorded at Bristol. Uh, Colston Hall, Bristol, and Jesus, I've listened to it yesterday, uh, and the, the speed of it, we really sound like a punk band, right? Um, it, but we're gonna go. On. We're, we're going to. Uh, that's been marketed at the moment, so we're going to try and release that um, to, to tie in with the 
this 40th anniversary of the tour as well. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so. You're, yeah. you're going to wait. So you're going to try and you're going to try and basically drag it off an old audio tape. Well, it is. It's come off a cassette uh, direct from the um, uh, the desk. Yeah. And uh, I've got a guy here in Sweden who's uh, trying to tidy it up at the moment, and um, uh, you know, master it for me. And if it sounds half, I mean, it sounds fairly good. But you know, it is forty years old, and we were a bunch of young kids. Um, and fast and furious, but uh, if it sounds good once he's um, cleaned it up, you know we're going to try and get it out. I think we will. And um, I mean, listening to that, that must that must have been an experience. First time you sort of found that and 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 stuck it. Yeah, on. yeah, it's, it's really weird. You know, the shit you talk on stage when you're young as well. You know, <laughs> you, can, you know what I mean? You think you're being the the big rock star and you know, talking to your audience. But when you listen back 40 years later, you go, ooh, did I say that? I, <laughs> did I, I say you... that to those girls? <laughs> <laughs> Cert- you know, yeah, and... Certainly things you wouldn't get away with now, put it that way. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> not, not the Me Too Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... But, uh, so what, and what? I mean, what were the? Did you get to? I mean, did you actually sort of, you know, personally get to know the guys at all? Because obviously they, you know, Eddie had gone out on a limb for you, and um, it, it, it must have been, or, or was it a case of sort of keeping your distance and like, oh, you know? Oh, no, 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 not at all. We, we really got to know them. Actually, I tell you a funny story. The first two gigs we done um, was the uh, Ipswich and then um, Friars and Aylesbury. And I was taking the whole thing very, very serious because, you know, it's a big tour and a, a big uh, chance for us. So uh, I didn't drink or anything before I went on stage. And obviously I was appearing to become too serious and uh, let me watch two, watch from the side of the stage a couple of nights. And uh, he, he catched me on the third night. He said, yeah, man, you want to fucking loosen up there, you know? You, you know, you, it's rock and roll. Don't take it so serious. I said, mm, you know, just a bit nervous and all that. So he dragged me into his dressing room and at the time, he was drinking uh, vodka, but there was a, a bottle of Jack there. And he put this big measure out and, you know, made me naked. And that was my ritual every night before I went on stage. I'd, I'd have to go to the dressing room and uh, have my large Jack. Then he'd send me on stage. And I got to know, Le- I got to know Lemmy very well because uh, we sang at the uh, San Maritz Club, where was his second home. He lived in London. And, of course... Uh, I see Phil around, not so much, and Eddie, Eddie was in London. But they actually lived around the corner from me for a while. In, um, I lived in West Kensington. And Phil and um, Eddie were, were actually lived in a squat at the time of that tour. You know, everyone thought that was a huge tour to make loads of money. But the poor guys didn't have a pot to piss in. So they were living in the squat in Kensington, which is like a two-minute walk from my house. So we'd pop around there occasionally. So yeah, I got got to know them very well. So did you did, did you know them? So you, so you you knew them from being on tour with them. Obviously, like you know, you, you didn't know them when when Eddie saw you. Um, no. And I mean that that is uh, people will be amazed that you know you, you can be in a, you can be in a band touring and and you know be playing four nights at Hammersmith Odeon and not have anywhere to live. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. But, but even but even more so, you know, back in the day, if you like, the uh, the music the music business was um, well. It's always been it's always been a a kind of dangerous place. But uh, uh, yeah, you you can end up in a situation like that. Um, and how come you were how come you were living in in Kensington at the time? What were you what were you up to at that time? Well, I'd moved from I when I moved out of Marno, I went uh, to Birmingham. I was in Birmingham for five years with my first wife. And uh, when the marriage broke up, you know, uh, my 
the guy who became the bass player in, in Weapon, Baz, Baz Downs, we were playing the band in Birmingham together. Uh, so we said, oh, let's go up to London and see what we can do. So we were in a couple of bands uh, in London before we formed, well, I formed uh, Weapon with Jeff Summers. And the original uh, bass player and drummer, you know, weren't really fit in what we were doing. So I suggested Baz as a replacement, and Jeff suggested Bruce as a replacement drummer. So that's how that came together. So yeah, I ended up in Kensington. I was there for 30 years. Wow. I moved to Sweden. I moved to Sweden 12 years ago. I, I, I was going to say, because when we, when we first started speaking, I was thinking, well, that, that is the strangest Swedish accent I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> An Irishman with a Swedish accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, uh, yeah, com- completely through me, completely through me. Um, but um, uh, to go back to the to go back to the tour, were you? Um, I mean, how are you how are you guys getting about? I mean, I'm presuming Motorhead were on a bus, you know, and 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 you guys were in a van or something like that. How, how did the they, transport work? Well, the the back line went with, with Motorhead, of course, in their truck, and uh, and two of our roadies went to Motorhead on the bus and we, then we had our own driver in a 16-seater transit just us and the guitars and you know guest houses and B&Bs along the way and as I said earlier uh, occasional hotel um, yeah. it, it was you know, <laughs> you know it was a great journey for us you know although it was a bit rough sometimes but you know it got, got through and it was a very exciting time but it's also it, but it's also a great I mean a great grounding for the band as well. I mean all of a sudden is, yeah. you know you're playing those venues, you're playing in front of you're playing in front of crowds and and you're having to do it every night. It's that's it, it makes or breaks you, doesn't it? Oh, incredible! It was. I mean, it was a great grounding, as you say, for the band. You know, it's just unfortunate you know, when we came off the tour that the the management we had at the time hadn't really lined up anything else. They had the small small club. I think about six or seven dates. Uh, but they were holding out for a record deal because we were signed to Virgin Publishing. But um, we hadn't got a record deal. I mean, there's the single we put out, Mad Award and Set the Stage of Life, that was on our own label, which was came out on the 13th of November during the uh, the Motorhead tour. But they were holding out for a better deal all the time, you know, and of course record com- companies get pissed off at that, you know. And uh, anyway, we were part of the company with them. But yeah, getting back to the tour, you know, we had some... Really exciting times. I have to tell you another story. Um, when we played Edinburgh Audion, um, we just finished our sound check, and uh, Baz and Jeff were at the had a, a flight case by just left hand side of the stage with the tuning equipment on it. So they were tuning the guitars there, and the left hand side of the, the bomber, the cable broke, and that just as they walked away, they would, I mean. A blessing in the sky. They'd literally just stepped away from the case, and the fucking the left hand side of the bomber came down and split right through the the, the uh, flight case where the, where they'd just been. So uh, it could have been the end of weapon that night. Two members down. It's it, honestly the 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 amount of stories you hear from back in the day where you think you know health and safety and all the rest of it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was incredible, incredible, unbelievable. And I, I'm interested as well as regards the 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 individual um, guys in Motorhead because of, you know you had, you had you now had your ritual of of going in there and and and, yeah. and necking a jack before you're going on stage. Um, the, the more I speak to people, the more I really really get this feeling that Motorhead, if you were if they picked 
you as a support band that that was it you were you were in the inner sanctum they you know they fought for you they defended you i mean you know and there's 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 more than one story like this is that is that a, a sort of fair assessment you know how did it how, how did it feel from your point of view i would say so i mean that you know the um they were right behind us in the beginning i mean what we did the, the, the when they were uh doing uh, rehearsals just before the tour i think it was at shepparton and we went out there with the man air management one day you know to meet them and uh you know the first thing you do is make sure you get on well with the road crew because you know <laughs> they're going to be uh kind of looking at you yeah sure particularly the sound engineers you know you have to rely on them because we couldn't afford our own engineers so uh my memory serves you well i think we sat down with them and bought them a drink so that was meant to rim at them so we always got a good sound not that i think they would fuck up our sound anyway but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, the, the the thing is, you get that feeling that Motorhead just weren't that kind of band. It's like ultimately, yeah, no. if they if they if they didn't like you, they they just play harder and make sure and and make sure they you know they blew the crowd infinitely away more than you did, as opposed to try and sabotage anyone. Well, I think if you didn't like us, they'd have fucked us off the tour. <laughs> yeah. I really I really think that's the way. Yeah, it's yeah. black and white, you know. But uh, we didn't have any. Excuse me, we didn't have any problems with it whatsoever. I mean, they're just. You know, great bunch of guys. You know, we've had a lot of laughs, a lot of a uh, bit of damage done along the way in certain hotels. <laughs> but it, but it's what you but, see is what you get, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Those three guys were, um, were were and they were unique at the time as well. You know, little did we know what kind of effect that that you know that album was having. You know, right across the world. Um, you know, and the I mean the impact of the impact of. Uh, of that and on you know on on kids who are going to go on to form thrash bands who are going to go on to change the face of of, of certainly as metal as we knew it yeah, um yeah. but but at the time clearly you were all just you know you, you were all just in your own world um and what were they you know what do you what do you remember of the um um of the fans did you know did did you know was was there did you have the sort of loyal bunch that were following you know following the band round from from gig to gig um and you know people turn up doing multiple shows yeah you would get a lot of that i mean um, obviously motorhead fans which and of course we we picked up a few of them along the way um thankfully but yeah you would and they were, i mean again you know they motorhead treat their fans with respect you know you wouldn't get them fucking jumping out the back door stage door and straight into a limo or whatever under the bus they would take time out to sign autographs and you know you know well you know you must have met Lemmy over the years. I mean, he couldn't yeah. meet a fucking nicer guy. You really couldn't meet a nicer guy. He just had this incredible image, you know. But if he didn't like you, he'd let you fucking know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, look, he's... I mean, the thing The thing is, I think, also, we were very much... We were very much era in a, it's, We were still in an era of kind of rock stars as well, and that was to carry on oh, yeah. for a while yet. Yeah, but it was. it's almost like they'd sort of laid down the template... For the way for the way those thrash metal bands would behave later on, which was their image was kind of almost at that time not having an image. It was just we are who we are, and as you say, in, in, you know, most bands would be expected to disappear into a limo, not hang out with their fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they were you know so down to earth, and you say you know it was basically you know jeans and a t shirt and a leather jacket. That was that was your dress on and off stage. Yeah, you know, that's the way they were. I actually I remember I remember. Bumping into Lemmy one day down Portobello Road, was, I was at Virgin. This is before we went on the tour, 
And again, going back to you know, how skint he was, because you know, it took a long time before he actually made any money. He was ripped off along the way. But I remember him standing in a, um, a shoe repair shop and his white boots. And he was having these white boots that he was wearing, having them repaired. So he stand there with one, one uh, shoe on him and the other one was being repaired. And when the, that was finished, he changed. That's how fucking broke he was. One pair of shoes. Oh, that's absolutely you know, ridiculous. It's just unbelievable. I mean, that went on for years and, you know, you probably know the stories of being ripped off by management. Um, but thankfully, in, the, in his latter years, he did make a few bob, and deservedly so. And did the did the relationship uh, did the relationship stay? You know, were you did you sort of you know bump into each other uh, down the years? Yeah, you would occasionally. I didn't see a lot of Lemmy in, in the latter years because he moved to the states. But before he went away, yeah, and uh, one of my best friends who sadly passed away as well, uh, Mac, he was a jeweler, and he made a lot of stuff for Lemmy, a lot of. Uh, um, necklaces and you know, bangles all that sort of shit so um, yeah well, I'd see him down in um, but when he went to the States I didn't see that much I would occasionally bump into uh, Phil or Eddie Eddie was in London um, <coughs> excuse me Eddie wanted to <coughs> excuse me <coughs> Eddie wanted to produce some tracks for us um, after the tour because he, he loved the set stage a lot he loved that whole sound uh, but we never got around to, you know, fucking record companies and management shite. <laughs> Shit happens, you know. Yeah, or, 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 or doesn't, as the case may be. It's like, you know. Or doesn't, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah, like two bands decide a decision and then two sets of management make sure it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless, unless they're both making money. Well, yeah, but the, and this is why you guys going on that tour, you know, at all is just such a, you know, such a, a surprising move. Because um, I read that, and that's why I was like, well, I've, got, "I've got to ask about this because it sounds kind of so improbable." But uh, obviously, Motorhead being Motorhead, it's you know, it's completely true, which is which is great to hear. Um, and um, I, I just kind of wonder when you when when you finished the tour, um, you know, was was there talk of you know, right, let's let's do this again, or or you know, or play in other parts of the UK or even or even Europe? Um, well. The- we only signed up for the UK one. Um, the Irish dates, um, they had all a different promoter over there, so he had his local bands that he wanted. Um, and then, of course, we had our small tour, but Motorhead went their way, and you know we couldn't do anything else because financially we were absolutely fucked. We really were, um, were in debt to Virgin Publishing and the shitty management, you know, so we had no money coming in. That's that's the reason we the band broke up originally. It was not to do any you know uh, personalities or anything like that. We just had no money. We just couldn't go any further. Um, and we Virgin sat on our recordings for twenty three years before they gave them back to us. Wow, that's, that is that's that's quite a time. It's a, it's incredible because the guy who signed us to publishing Laurie Dunn, he left. Uh, probably about six or seven months after signing us. Um, and of course, we're stuck with, with the new guy who didn't like rock at all. He was in the old sort of the 80 bands, you know, the, um, and the police, obviously, they signed the police and making millions out of them. But uh, he had no interest in us whatsoever. So, you know, anytime he went, you know, can we do some more recording or blah, blah, blah? No, nah, no, there's no more money. And then they wouldn't give us the, 
um, the recordings that we'd done. We had an album done. And uh, it wasn't until uh, Jeff Barton and Lars done that compilation album, the uh, 79 Revisited. That, uh, uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Um, we signed the deal to, that they would take basically the, the track. We didn't get any money for it. Um, but we got all our, all our tapes back. So I suppose we did get something out in the end. Yeah, about 23 bleeding years sitting on the shelf. It, well, it's it's a familiar story, unfortunately, and and so is uh, the, and so is that you, know, you never hear a story where and the new K, a new A and R man came in and he loved us. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you never hear that story, do you? No, 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 no. no that's, that's that's fairy tales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I think it, it must be it must be something in the contract that says yeah you 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 must hate any heavy bands that we have exactly because um, it always seems to be the case. Exactly, and it was it was it was a weird time as well because you know once Maiden Maiden took off that that period, every label wanted a heavy metal band. It didn't matter what you sounded like, and we had um, I, I can't remember how many was interested, but the main one for us that we'd have loved to go it was Atlantic Records, and it was basically the choice between us and uh, more. Right, and they chose more. <laughs> And and so, so they got more basically. Yep, they got more. Yeah, they paid, they paid out a lot more. <laughs> but but uh, so that was uh, that was the end of the that interest. So there was lots of that shit going on as well, you know. And, you know, so, you know. Very very much of its time, and some of it, you know, still going on today. And I, look, I'm I'm going to be as sensitive as possible when asking this this <laughs> question. So please don't hang up. Right. Um, <laughs> in some ways, in some ways, was was the Motorhead tour, uh, you know, a, a career highlight. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, we've never done anything like it since. I mean, we we, we tour in Europe. We do, but they're generally small clubs, you know. Um, and of course, we had we had the problem with the name as well, having to change add that fucking UK to the end because of. Canadian band snuck under the radar and stole their name. <laughs> yes, in it was that was what two thousand and three, two thousand twelve. Oh, right, okay. Yes, yeah. oh, we, we were just we were just about to release. Well, we just recorded. Um, uh, what can I fucking remember the bleeding name of the album now? <laughs> the album before Ghosts, um, and we were just about to release that, and then I got this fucking notice from. Uh, Sorry, Rising from the Ashes were just about to release. Um, and I got this notice from management of this Canadian band, Dead Black Metal Band, saying, uh, you know, you haven't got the rights to us. So, yeah, we, we, we had the rights since 1981, actually. We registered it. But we hadn't um, re-registered it, which apparently you had to do. Uh, we didn't know that. It was all done by management. Yeah. Uh, inc- incompetent management. So we were given the choice either add to the UK or he would put an injunction on us and we wouldn't be able to release the album oh. so, so we had to do that and of course about three months after that fucking band broke up and I, contact, I contacted the manage, their management again I said well you know the band's gone now I said can we have our name back no they might they might reform they might release all the stuff and... so basically we're fucked that. so that that kind of fucked us up as well because you know 
people knew us as Weapon, then you, you see something like Weapon UK and think, is that a new band? Is that a different band? Yes. You know? yeah. It's not the new wave of British heavy metal band Weapon that toured the Motorhead. Yeah. So that kind of fucked us up a little bit there. But, you know, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. No, I, I, I know what you mean. And, and again, I mean, I've, I, I seem to have been saying this a lot in the last few minutes, but you, you, you seem to have had every music business cliche disaster happen to you. It's almost spinal tapish. <laughs> I mean, if you ever got lost on the way to the stage, uh, yes, <laughs> and, and and funnier things, getting on stage in small clothes where there's you know smoke machines going, and this is on our small tour after Motown tour. I think it was called the uh, some club up in uh, Stoke on Trent. You used to have to go through a fucking fish and chip shop to get to the club, and I remember we were going on stage and. The dry ice there, the big intros going, and the, the flash bombs are ready to go. And I tripped and fell into the fucking drums <laughs> <laughs> as the bombs were going off. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, a few little incidents like that, spinal tap moments. <laughs> this is it, isn't it? You know, you you want to create the most dramatic and theatrical effect possible, and um, one foot in the wrong place, and it just ends up being pure slapstick comedy. Oh yeah, yeah, I and mean, that actually happened when we were in the St. Austell with Motorhead. Um, you know, we had the the, the pyrotechs every night, and luckily I was wearing the heavy leather jeans, and it, I stood at the stride as my big big mole was coming for the pyros, and they blew, and right between my legs, and then he lost me meeting two veg. Wow, uh, that, that was another spinal tap moment. Wow, well, got, got lots of laughs from the motorhead crew for that one. I, I, and I would imagine uh, that, that that was very nearly a, sh- a very short-lived uh, short-lived career in uh, in heavy metal, by the sounds of it. Well, I, I could have become Danielle, <laughs> <laughs> almost. Well, yeah. and, and do you know what? That, that thinking back to the, these times as well, and I know how Motorhead categorised themselves. Did you did you consider yourselves at the time to be um, heavy metal? Not really. I, you know, we were just, uh, I guess we just a rock band, you know, and we got, we got um, categorised in the old new wave thing, you know. But to us, it was just, just a four-piece rock band. We weren't even thinking about heavy metal as such. Um, and of course, then, you know, all bands from that era got stuck in that little pot of the new wave of British heavy metal. And, you know, that's, that's fine, you know. No big deal. Yeah, and, and, because uh, obviously, you know, Motorhead were never, never at home with that kind of tag. Um, it's just something that I, I think it's almost like you know we 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 were so early doors in in that kind of pigeonholing everybody. Um, yeah. That you guys were just yeah you were all just loud rock and roll, but that somehow didn't feel like the how journalists of the day wanted it to pan out. They they wanted you to be part of this this kind of emerging genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It wasn't down to the bands themselves. I mean, it wasn't really until after, you know, we toured and all that, and then people say, oh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Well, no, we didn't go out as a New Wave band. We went out as a weapon, a rock band. Um, and, yeah, it's strange that, that Motorhead was, you know, lumbered in that thing as well, because, you know, I think at one point, Motorhead could have been a punk band, <laughs> the speed that we used to play at. And the, and the speed that was consumed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that is uh, that, that that is that is somewhat legendary. All of that. 
yeah. yeah. I, well, well, that's yeah. interesting. And wait, did you did you have any um, did you have any punks showing up back then? Any punks at the gigs? Yeah, yeah. You would get get a few. I mean, you wouldn't get a lot. You mainly just guys in leather jackets with patches on them. Um, that was kind of the downside. You didn't get too many women there on <laughs> <laughs> head gigs. Um, so there's a, bit, there's a bit of fight for the women afterwards. Oh, there's definitely. But let me, but let, let me, let me seem to always get one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Lemmy's Lemmy. You know, ultimately, yeah, Lemmy, Lemmy, yeah. he, he, you know, he always had that working for him. Whereas the, he know, did indeed. Yeah, no, no, no one else is Lemmy. Um, <laughs> Uh, and was there much? Was, so was there much? Was there much partying going on, like after the shows, dressing room wise, things like that? Oh, usually, well, there would be some some amount at, at the um, in the dressing rooms, but I suppose you know a lot of the stuff they were doing overnight rides the next gig. Um, so basically, when we stay in the same hotel, we'd, there'd be parties. And I remember we had a night off, and um, I just I can't remember where it was. So played long ago, uh, but. Um, we were all in the same hotel, and there was five or six bands from. Remember Stiff Records? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah they they had a tour going on with three, oh, four or five of their bands, um, and they were all in the same hotel as well. So we we all motorhead and weapon all went to the the gig, and then all back to the hotel that night. And that that was a real, real rowdy one. The police were called and all there. Because the uh, poor barman, one barman working, and he decided that he would close the bar at about five in the morning. He couldn't take anymore. And uh, some very unhappy people went into the bathrooms and uh, disconnected all the piping. <laughs> Which, and the bathrooms were right in the reception area, facing the reception. So he had this like flood coming under the doors. And uh, eventually, I mean, the we all had to run to our rooms because the hotel was surrounded by police. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, nobody was re- arrested because there was nobody there to, to be caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's everyone's to blame and there's no way they're arresting all yeah. of us. I know nothing, sir. I know nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was a member of, of uh, Motorheads and he did play drums. <laughs> <laughs> no names. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, none at all. Um, thing is that the thing is as well is for a, for a for a three piece. I mean, we all know you know that they made an, a, an almighty racket, but um, oh, yeah. but it was also a case of if, if you know all three of them. That lineup was just yeah, there, there was a bit of magic there, wasn't there? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, the sound that came out of the three of them, but they were all, I mean, they're all good players as well. This is. A, Thing that people forget, you think, oh, you know, Motorhead is just a fucking noisy bunch of guys. They were all good players. Eddie, Eddie was a great guitarist, really, really good guitarist. Of course, Lemmy had his unique sound, and then there was Phil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I actually remember I have the, the first uh, sound check, um, a dip switch. I went to the back of the theater to listen to them, and I actually felt physically sick. My stomach, the sound that was coming out of Lemmy's bass. Really, I mean, they were so they were so fucking loud, you know. They had, I think, it was five k on uh, monitors. So you can imagine what was going out the front. Yeah, I mean, you talk forty years ago. Um, so yeah, it was, but they had this uh, it was a powerful sound. Oh, really, it was a powerful sound for, yeah. for a three piece. 
and 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 to think that this was all you know this all stemmed from you know Lemmy getting kicked out of Hawkwind. There were three albums in by now, um, but there's something about there's something about that album and that lineup that just all that all clicks around that around that time. It's a key time in in Motorhead's career. Totally, totally. It was just a, a magical moment, you know. And who'd, who'd have thought, you know, that it would have got as big as it was, you know. I mean, ju- during the tour, you know, just selling really well. And, of course, you get to get the Hammersmith Odeon and doing four sellout nights. And the albums are going, going to number one. And, you know, they're on Tiz was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the like. <laughs> do you know, do you know I mean, what? I was just thinking that. Because, I mean, I, I remember watching Tiz was and, and seeing Motorhead on there. And um, I just I, I I remember you know they that's the thing with my they could pop up anywhere I mean you know anybody who goes back and watches the young ones you you, you forget yeah, yeah. all of a sudden there they are again with yeah. uh, with yet another bizarre TV appearance incredible they're like, they're like a rash they're everywhere <laughs> yeah and they just I, but they, but again I think there's you know uh, how many bands back then in the scene would have would have said yes to Tiz was you know very very few. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be a cool thing to do. But it, yeah, it was the coolest thing because more adults watched this one than children. Yeah, we all watched those. It was great fun. Yeah, absolutely, and and also I think that um, Motorhead and specifically Lemmy, all of a sudden, you know. No, nobody in the in the, in 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 that scene is saying yes, yeah, yes, to Tiz was Motorhead do it, and then everybody wants to do it. Of course, of course, yeah. Follow the leader, and he was a leader. <laughs> well, I think I mean Motorhead. Motorhead certainly kicked down quite a few doors for, for 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 bands playing heavy music in this country. I'd say so, yeah, yeah. And and then you know, him moving, uh, let me move to America, you know. And I mean, he became such a celebrity without being you know the asshole like most celebrities are. Yes, you know, you could you could see him, see him any day at the rainbow sitting at the bar, you know, just doing his thing. But uh, he, you know, he was—he was really. I'm not saying this now because he's dead. In fact, all three of them are dead, sadly. But uh, I'm not just saying this. But he was—he was such an intelligent guy, and that's the thing that surprised me more than anything when we turned to him. You know, always reading, very intellectual, and you know, could hold a conversation on anything. Um, and I, you know, I was delighted when he, when, he, when things started to go right from financially after all the shit he'd been through. Yeah, and and to and to and to go to seventy years of age doing what he's doing, you know, incredible. He's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I'm I've, I've again doing this, spoken to a few people who said that um, some of the most you know they they remember specific conversations with Emmy um, that they had, and 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 in some cases there's certainly nothing to do with. You know, they're nothing to do with music or bands or, or or anything like that. You know, anything from philosophy to you know Second World War. You name it. He was he was he was, he was very passionate about um, about his favourite topics, and and nobody oh, yeah. nobody could know more. No, no, and you know he, he he could talk on any topic. That's the difference. You know, you can get people talking about music. That's all they know. But he could talk about anything, as you said. You know, philosophy, politics, whatever. Yeah, very very intelligent guy and a very nice guy and you know I have a greatest respect for him yes and fully deserving of 
you know, of the, of the of the place that they um, that they occupy in the um, in the world of metal. Um, even oh, yeah. even if it's a, even if it's a world that um, who's never completely comfortable with uh, with being yeah, referred yeah. to being in. Uh, yeah, it's the like. Yeah, yeah. It, but also it's 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 amazing because you listen to that. You know, you listen to that music now, and and uh, um, there is just such a there's such an energy and a and a, and a vitality to it. Even listening to it now. Um, yeah, still, still fresh. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and here we are, forty years later, about to, you know, refresh it all and 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 put everything out again with all sorts of you know incredible bits and pieces, and you know, it's it's in many people's albums you've got to listen to before you die, and and in every, in all sorts of top tens, top top hundreds, you name it, um, the Ace of Spades album sort of pops up there, and I suppose for you, it's got. You know, even more special memories than it has for most. Oh, without doubt, it's actually I have it on my wall. I've got, I've got my what I call my little music zone. Got a few things there, you know, weapon stuff and all that. But uh, Ace of Spades is um, pride of place yeah. on the wall. My boy, Lem. I mean, I'm and, just looking at it now. And that, and that is just that is just awesome. The fact that you know that you got to do, you know, you got to do that tour. You got to have those times. Um, yeah, in, in such a in such a typical Motorhead way, you know, one of one of them saw you live and went, you know, we've got a support band. It's just so it's so so cool. Such a great you story. Couldn't write it. Yeah, you couldn't write it. <laughs> well, if you did, I mean, somebody uh, would say, "Oh, come on, you know, you're having a laugh." Yeah. And uh, the thing was as well was, um, you know, you know the stories of having to do buy-ons for tours. That ha- that hasn't changed over the years. That's why a lot of bands can't tour, you know, sport bands, because you know the, the, the financial side of that. But we actually got paid for the tour. That I, I, well, that's you know, that's just that's that's everything, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great deal, but we got paid for each gig, you know, and that's kind of unheard of. So yeah, um, they were good guys. That's I mean, and and that that really does kind of. Just put the uh, the tin hat on it, as you were, doesn't it? The the fact that after all of that, they're giving you the biggest break of your career and and paying you for it. Uh, exactly. Well, look, Danny, that's that has been that's been a blast. I've re- really really enjoyed that. I can't thank you enough for your time. That and uh, you know, you've you've got you've got some amazing memories. Thank you so much for sharing them. My pleasure. It was great to talk to you, Howard, and uh, look forward to hearing your podcast when it comes out uh, it, me too fingers crossed it's some uh, uh, you know well the, the interview with you will be great about the rest of it I'm not so sure we'll have to wait and see <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot Aaron all the best mate. no problem you too take care man cheers mate cheers bye 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 And there you go, some authentic, genuine stories from the time Ace of Spades was released and toured. Um, my thanks to Danny, really enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did doing it. I always say that, but and I always mean it. Um, another, just very insightful, It's it's been great speaking to these people. And, and something I haven't mentioned is... For all of you people listening to this all over the world, hearing these stories and thinking, wow, how lucky this guy is to be talking to all these people 
You're absolutely right. And I genuinely, genuinely do get that. So when I'm doing all these interviews, I mean, obviously the podcast wasn't out at the time, but I was very much thinking of, um, you know, questions that uh, you guys might want asked. And it's not always easy to steer a conversation, um, but I do want you to know that I appreciate the position I'm in and hopefully I'm capturing the stuff that you want to hear. And please do let me know. Hashtag the motor cast if you want to get in touch criticize praise feel free and remember you can get to all things motorhead through imotorhead.com and please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so um that's another one down not many to go hope you enjoyed it as always speak to you again in two weeks I don't say agreed the only god i need is the ace of spades the ace of spades